When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, hello out there, everyone. Welcome back to None But the Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcasts. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy, Flynn McLean. Flynn, what's happening? We got a lot of stuff going on right now, Hal, but uh, let's start with the fun you had last night, Hall of Fame. Big night here in Los Angeles, Microsoft Theater, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony for 2022. It was really a cavalcade of stars and of course, for our listeners and for me and everyone I was with, the biggest thing is that Mr. Springsteen was there and he was in fine form uh, during the Jimmy Iovine segment where he inducted Jimmy into the Hall of Fame, as we've come to expect now on these speeches that he makes at this particular ceremony. It was filled with warmth and humor. He gave Jimmy a little bit of business, of course. And they were both very, very happy. And the show ran very, very long, six hours. We almost thought that maybe Bruce was not going to do his scheduled performance because it was 1240 in the morning and he had yet to appear. But fortunately, he did take the stage and perform. <laughs> well, yeah, I had heard this, that he had sound checked. So uh, you knew I knew. and But you told me not to tell you. And uh, but I'm glad you stuck you stuck around. And it sounds like that was a hell hell of a performance at the end there. Jerry Lee Lewis's uh, great balls of fire. Well, not just great balls of fire. It started with about 30 seconds of High School Confidential, which I had never seen. And this song, I think, is really a tremendous amount of fun. And then it transitioned into great balls of fire. Bruce looked and sounded fantastic. You know, we talked about it with Brandon Shaw when he was on from at the Killers performance at the Garden, and I have to say the same thing. It, it really is remarkable. Now, I'm sure he gets worked on before he goes on the stage. That's part of the job. But, man, his voice sounds amazing, and he just looks great. It gave me so much hope for the tour. Any idea that maybe he slowed down and I'm sure movement wise, it'll be a little bit different than in the past, but he looks ready to go. And he was at full force last night. Granted, it was only five minutes, but very enjoyable. Well, let's hope the rest of the E Street band is ready to go come uh, come February 1st, like it sounds like Bruce is. Now, speaking of the band, uh, you told me Roy was on the piano for, for this performance. Yes, he was. Uh, Roy was on piano. The Backing band was the Zach Brown band. John Mellencamp also joined Bruce on stage for that. Roy also looked good, uh, and he and Bruce and Mellencamp walked off the stage when the performance was over, all arm in arm. They were very, very pleased. As we know, Bruce and Mellencamp have an ever-growing friendship. They seem to be having a ball. It was really great to see, and it was the final performance of a very lengthy but very satisfying evening. The inductees all performed. I thought Lionel Richie, who, speaking of our conversations about 1984 and 1985, he was fabulous. He played Hello, Easy with Dave Grohl on lead guitar and then wow. all night long. And, th and that place was jumping. So it was a great night. 
Bruce seemed to be in great spirits, and it's going to air on HBO on November 19th. No doubt the Jerry Lee Lewis tribute is going to be in there. Certainly part of the Iovine speech will be in there, and you're not going to want to miss it. Oh, one other thing. Bruce was also very, very funny in the Alan Grubman video package when Grubman was inducted. Mellencamp did the speech there, but there was a video that ran before that, and it ended with Bruce saying... Alan, you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I think uh, somebody pointed out there's nothing less rock and roll than an attorney. So, uh, yeah, it's a little, it's a little wild for for a lawyer to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I guess he played a major role with a lot of rock acts, making sure that they got they got paid, and I guess that uh, that paid off, so to speak. But was Lionel Rich was Lionel Richie inducted as a solo artist here? He was last night, yes. Okay, all right. And it sounded like the Duran Duran performance was pretty cool too. But speaking speaking of artists from 1984, 1985, but uh, we don't have to do uh, do a whole spiel on every on every artist in there. No. But, uh, sound like it was a fun night, and sounds like the editors are going to have a real challenge uh, cutting it down from six hours to, to two to fit on HBO's uh, programming schedule. I assume that HBO, I don't know if it's two or, or is it two or three? We'll have to check. But yes, there's going to be quite a bit of editing. And there were magnificent performances across the entire show. Duran Duran was great. I particularly enjoyed Ordinary World. So mm, yes. the other people, I'd never seen Eminem before. So that was pretty cool. Okay. And, how was, and Dolly Parton, I assume, was just was just wonderful as well. It's, it's a really nice evening for the talent and very lucky for any of us who were there. Dolly was in great spirits herself. She wrote a rock song special for the occasion because, as has been reported, she wasn't quite sure if she should be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and it was quite amusing. So it, it was a great night. And, and the lead story for us, of course, is that Bruce is ready to go. He, <laughs> he's definitely February 1st is going to be a good night. Uh, good to hear. Looking forward to it. And that's not the only thing going on. Bruce uh, sat in with Howard Stern for what two hours and 15 minutes last week. First part of, I guess, the Only the Strong Survive media tour. That's the only stop so far. But uh, that was a hell of an interview, Hal. What, what were your takeaways? I thought that it was fantastic. Howard is a tremendous interview and he really got a lot of stuff out of Bruce. Now, for people like us, I don't know that Bruce said anything that broke new ground, but Howard's audience is not us. And <laughs> he brought out the entire Springsteen story, his relationship with his father. I, I think Bruce was emotional throughout the interview and the performances were really, really Great. So it's a very enjoyable thing. And if you have Sirius, you should definitely go and either listen to it streaming if you haven't heard it already or watch the complete video, which they posted. I don't think we're going to spend too much time here breaking down everything that Bruce said, although he did confirm our reports of the vast amount of material recorded for only the strong survive. I think he said there were 40 songs left on the cutting room floor. Wow, so that's uh, what fifty-five songs at least that he yes. that's been confirmed to be recorded. So, yeah, a lot a lot of room for volume two, and that's going to be fun. Let's see what happens with that. Obviously, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. And the other thing going on is that Bruce just released the, for the first Friday series from Nugs, Asbury Park, November 26, 1996. And you were there. I was kind of there. I was outside. And, uh, but yeah, it was a very special show. It was one of my favorites listening to when Crystal Cat released it back at the, back in 97. Just another, another wonderful performance from that three night stand. They already released the first night, November 24th. And, but this one, you got some additional guests and you got more of a special encore. I don't want to go home being the, being the headliner there followed by Rosie. And, and of course the fact that that Patty and Susie were there adding a lot of texture to a good chunk of the, of the set just makes this one very, very special. Yeah. This was a special night. I was there with your wife and wait. So when you were outside, yeah, you were on the drop <laughs> line. You were on the drop line. Oh, well, thank you for bringing up such a wonderful memory, Hal. Yes, we were on the drop line. We had gotten on the drop in on the drop on Sunday night, the first night. And so we said, okay, let's go up again. Let's give it a shot. Let's call in sick to work. I hope no, none of my former bosses are listening, but we went up we were in the drop line all, all day and Actually, the drop line ended. They cut it off right in front of us, literally right in front of us. Three more tickets that were released and were inside. But no, we were on the outside looking in. And we we heard a good chunk of it. Obviously, the doors aren't exactly – they don't give the best sound. But we were able to hear when Stephen came out for I Don't Want to Go Home and Spirit and Rosie. And actually, we could hear Born in the USA really, really nice. But still – Rather be on the inside, but this kind of, this more than makes up for it. We've talked about this show quite a bit when we've talked about the archive series, and it was one that we knew would be released. It had to be released. It's one of the greatest nights, I think, in the history of the shore in terms of music. And uh, yeah, very, very sad that you were outside. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I've, I've made amends with it. I've, you know, I've let it go. I have closure now with the, with this, with this official release. They did a good job here, as they've been doing recently. Al Schiller, I think it's mixed well. It's a great listen. This is a must-have show. And the performances this night, 
they were off the charts. I, I, I closed my eyes and I think back and, and just the size of that theater that we, 1500 seat theater that we saw this mm-hmm. in that tiny theater. It's, it's, it just blows my mind now thinking about it. It's we're 26 years later and the set list was pretty much a mix of the first two nights except he added in the wonderful version of All That Heaven Will Allow with Richard Blackwell on the percussion. And then, as you mentioned before, I don't want to go home to open the encores. Now, the story of this show is the encores. It was one of the greatest segments of music I've ever witnessed. There was such joy on that stage. And it it, it was very surprising because of course Bruce was on this tour he was playing solo every night even though the nights before he had brought out Danny he brought out Susie and Patty what took place in the encores that was a full band yes they were playing acoustic but there was a full complement of instruments on that stage and it's a one-time only performance of not only I don't want to go home spurred in the night and Rosalita just tremendous. And, and as you noted, when Steve walked out on that stage, there was bedlam in that theater. (laughs) Now he came on after Bruce sang the first verse, right? Yeah. It was a total surprise. Now, uh, surprise for me, I'm sure there were people in the audience who knew that he was there. We were, I was certainly not nowhere near as informed then as we may be now, but, uh, it, it was wonderful. And it, someone had remarked on Twitter about how special it was because the E Street Band had been fired. And I said, you really have to remember that Steve had left the band in 84. And even if the band had reconvened in 1996, it, people talked about hopefully the band would come back. We didn't know if they would. But if they did. We It wasn't sure that Steve would be in the band when they returned. So this performance, we didn't know when we would see something like this again. And it was v- so memorable. I, I just listening to this show, and I was excited that it, it was finally coming out. Listening to this show over the weekend was really a treat for me. Yeah, and, and going back to Steve playing with Bruce, I figured at the time, you know, who knew when it was going to happen again? And and now, now it's you know, I got goosebumps listening to listening to the, the crowd's reaction when when Steve came on, and at the time, as I said, you never knew when that was going to happen again. And of course, two and a half years later, it's happening. It happened on a nightly basis for a good chunk of the next twenty years. But but yeah, you, it hadn't happened very much, very often at all over the previous twelve years. But it was a, yeah, that was a, quite the moment. If you want to take one moment from from this show, I guess that's it. For sure. And there are some all-time performances here. The Hard to Be a Saint, this was the first time in Asbury that Hard to Be a Saint had been played, I think since 81. It debuted during night two of The Stand, which was the one night I didn't see, and I was devastated. I'd never seen Saint in the City, of course, and I was like, oh man, I can't believe I missed that. And then we came back the next night, uh, this, the 26th, and he did do Saint in the City. It was amazing, and, and the tougher than the rest is just fabulous and and the pairing of shout out the light and born in the usa what a powerhouse this is one of those nights that you're just not going to get repeated in every respect the set list the quality of the performance it was a one of a kind thing and just so lucky to have been there yeah uh shut out the light i think he had done it he did it every night of that stand because he had Susie there to add the fiddle and I remember uh, I had seen him a few weeks earlier 
actually the month month earlier out in the Northwest, and he actually audibled out of Shut Out the Light back to Brothers Under the Bridge, and I was pretty, actually kind of disappointed. So it was it was good to see that first night in Asbury, and then uh, obviously this recording uh, is recording as well. We should also make mention, I think, of When You're Alone, which of course has been so rarely played, and it had been played that one time at the Count Basie Benefit Show in 93, where it was really, really well done. And here, the performances, it's stunning. And there are so many of the songs here that you look at, and we, of course, we say this so much, why doesn't this stuff get played more often? But some of these songs, uh, when you're alone, it's just amazing. What has it been played? I think 10 or 12 times total. If that, I think it wasn't played after after this tour until, until Devils and Dust, and obviously that hasn't been played since. Yeah, so it just this is a treat, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already heard the show, either through the fantastic Crystal Cat bootleg that we've all had for years, or now with the archive. If you have not picked up the archive, I couldn't recommend it more. <laughs> exactly, and talking about the show, this was quite a rambunctious crowd, to, to say the least. They, they were they were, they bordered on rowdy, but they uh, they more or less stayed respectful. They there wasn't too much yelling during songs except for that one woman who when bruce said i've been around a time or two and tougher and she went uh-huh <laughs> that was one of the one of the funnier moments of of the show and then some people kept cr- trying to engage him but uh, he was able to shut it down pretty quickly well that was one of the things because it was such an intimate performance in this tiny theater but he was playing tiny theaters for much of the tour but the structure and his demeanor did not allow for crowd participation. If no. you did that stuff during a regular Joe show, uh, we know what he said. He told you to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah, and but this was more of a hometown crowd, and it yes. didn't it didn't quite have that the intensity of of a normal show. I mean, it, I guess it was intense in different ways, but it wasn't a typical intense Joe show. And and so people uh, kind of reacted uh, in, in a different way than they did say. And at most most of the other shows. Now he did kind of bring back uh, Susie and Patty in one of the at the show in in, in, in Nashville just about a, three or four weeks later, and I was there. But yeah, you're right. It, it was it was special to to see Shut Out the Light and and Two Hearts with, with Susie and Patty. But yeah, it it just didn't wasn't the same as it was as it was in Asbury. Yeah, and I'll end with a couple of people were talking about is this the best Joe show? I I think my point was. I don't really consider this to be a Joe show. Yes, it took place during 1996, during the actual tour, but it varied so much from the basic show that it's sort of adjacent to the tour and a a very special occasion. I hope they have it. To me, the best Joe shows occurred sometime the month before. The best pure Joe shows, whether it was in the Midwest or the show I saw in Fresno, if they have one of those, they should get them out because that was really when the tour was in the locations where the songs take place and really, really focused. Well, this is the uh, the sixth release from from the Joe tour. I actually kind of I actually disagree with you on that. About I consider this part of the Joe tour. It was it, it was during during the tour. Yeah, it was a little bit different. He had some special guests, but I still consider it part of the tour. And but this is the sixth release from the Joe tour from from Nugs. We got three normal shows and now we have three special shows we have freehold from november 8th and then 
the first and now the third nights in Asbury from from late November. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know when we're going to get another Joe show. Obviously, I think uh, they're going to pause this first Friday series when the tour starts, and we don't know when, exactly what what kind of schedule they're going to have going forward with that, at least in terms of archives. But uh, I think we only have about three, and if we're really lucky, four uh, releases left before uh, before the assumed pause. And it'll be interesting to see what we get over the next three or four months. Yeah, especially for Christmas and. Just I'm going to go back to listening to this one and and remember the remembering these nights really very special for me. So uh, again, I'm just glad that it's been released. Yes, tremendous release, and uh, even if you're on the outside looking in, it's still it's still a fun listen. <laughs> so painful. Sorry about that. It's okay. I I made up for it when I got into the Pat King benefit. That was also a very special night. <laughs> true. True. So let me just wrap up by saying None But The Brave is a presentation of Bull Market Entertainment. We're on Evergreen Podcasts. If you wish to reach out to us, check us out on our website, nonebutthebravepodcast.com or on Twitter at NBTB Podcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.